0: What do you love about that first sip of beer? Maybe the fact that it's bitter, or fizzy, or fruity. I'm Tegan Taylor, and this is Occam's Razor, a soapbox for science. I am not a beer lover myself, but I do love understanding how things are made. And the characteristics of your favourite brew are determined by science. Science that today's speaker, Kelsey Pickard, is very excited about. I spend a lot of time thinking and talking about beer. I'm a scientist by training, but my background has nothing to do with beer. So I have an undergraduate in botany, I did my master's in biotechnology, and now I'm finishing my PhD in genetics. So how did I get interested in the science of beer? Well, simply by drinking the stuff. I think perhaps as a scientist, you can't help but analyse the world around you. And it's really hard to turn the inquisition off my friend and fellow scientist Matt and I would buy a selection of craft beers, sit down and nerd out over the flavors we could pick out and how they were so different from one another. Matt had done some home brewing, but for me, this was a whole new world and a welcome escape from the tedium of my PhD. So something that struck me the first time I stepped foot into a brewery to see how beer is made is just how similar the process is to performing a scientific experiment. The brewers record every detail, the timings, temperatures, every milligram of ingredients that's added is weighed very accurately. Another less welcome parallel I found between brewing and science as they're both very male dominated industries with a long way to come in terms of inclusion and diversity. So there are just four ingredients in beer, malt, hops, water, and yeast. And yet you can get such vastly different products with just the same four ingredients. If you think about a stout versus a lager, or an IPA versus a sour beer, how are these flavours, colours, and aromas produced by just the same four ingredients? Any guesses? Science. <laughs> so let's begin with malt. So malt is the, is the grain that's used in the beer. And the most commonly used malt in beer is barley grains. And these grains are the seed of the barley plant. Inside of that seed is a tiny embryo that's dormant and waiting to sprout. The seed also contains a whole lot of complex starches, which are large chain sugars, and they are there for the growing embryo to use as an energy source before it's reached the surface of the earth, produced its own leaves to make its own energy with photosynthesis. Now the key difference between beer and other fermented drinks like wine or cider is that beer needs to be brewed. For cider or wine, that sugar is right there in the fruit juice. As soon as you press the apples or the grapes, you've got the sugar there available to the yeast to ferment. For beer, these sugars need to be extracted from these grains. However, yeast can only ferment small, simple sugars, not these large chain starches that are found in barley grains. So brewers or maltsters utilise the magic of biology to allow the embryo to germinate or grow, and it converts these large starches into simple sugars that can then be utilised by the yeasts. So the barley grains are soaked, the seeds become hydrated, and that activates that little dormant embryo into action. These embryos produce enzymes and hormones that are excreted into the seed, and that breaks down these large starches into simple sugars. But before the embryo is able to utilize those sugars for its own growth, the brewers stop the process by malting the grains, which is basically roasting them to kill off the poor little embryos that have done all the hard work to this point. So malting dries the grain, and depending on the temperature you malt the grain at, you can get some caramelization of the sugars, and that can give some beers a darker, richer, chocolatey flavors that you might find in stouts. So next, these malted sugary grains are soaked in hot water, which is the second ingredient to extract those sugars. Now, water is an often overlooked ingredient in brewing. And if you think about it, beer is mostly water after all. Now, brewers make sure there is a careful balance of different ions and salts in the water that they use in the beer, depending on the style they're creating. So two famous examples of this are the hard water in Dublin which has a high mineral content, and that's ideal for making beers like stouts, like Guinness. Whereas the water in Pilsen in Germany is very soft, has very little mineral content, and that's ideal for a crisp pale lager like a Pilsner. So nowadays, brewers will modify the chemistry of the water using additives to achieve the flavour and mouthfeel thereafter. We're very lucky in Hobart. Hobart has very soft water, so very little mineral content, and it's a great base for brewing beer is you can always add salts and minerals to water, but you can't remove them. So I mentioned mouthfeel before. Now water is extremely important in mouthfeel, and this may be something you haven't considered when you're enjoying a cold brew at the end of the day. So mouthfeel is the textural component of beer. It involves the perception of viscosity, or how thick the beer feels, the pH, how acidic the beer is, and even the size of the bubbles in that beer will affect the mouthfeel all of these things impact how you perceive flavors in the beer. And if you've ever had a flat or a warm beer, you'll be able to attest to the fact that these change the experience of a beer significantly. So the next ingredient to be added to beer is hops. And I personally find hops extremely interesting, probably because of my botanical background. But hops are the flower or cone of the hop vine. And it's a member of the hemp family. Now, these plants are dioecious, which means The male and female flowers are on completely separate plants. And brewers only use the female flower cones for brewing, as it's the females that produce the small glands that have resins and oils in there that produce the flavour and aroma. Now, the proportion of different acids and oils will vary depending on hop strain, so brewers select the variety that suits their beer style. Now, hops also provide um, bitterness to the beer, but also some amazing fruit flavours you might find, like citrus, stone fruit, and pine. And last but definitely not least is the yeast. So, for a long time, yeast was the unknown invisible ingredient that the original brewers didn't know existed but knew just how to treat that beer in order to cultivate and get a good end product. Now, a Tassie brewer, Will Tatchell, once said that brewers are glorified yeast farmers, and I think that's a great way of putting it. So, brewers grow yeast and then the yeast will make the beer. So, yeast are tiny microorganisms that belong to the fungi kingdom. The scientific name for brewers' yeast is Saccharomyces. And that name comes from the Greek words of sugar, or saccharon, and fungus, myces, which is exactly that, it is a sugar fungus. Now yeast exists on almost every surface of our Earth, on our skin, on the tree leaves, on the tables and seats that you're sitting at today, um, at the beard of somebody sitting in the audience. And yes, all of these yeasts can be used to brew beer. But does that mean you should be taking the yeast from some bloke's beer to brew a beer? (laughs) Questionable. But brewers in Oregon have done exactly that. They've brewed a beer with wild yeasts cultivated from nine of the brewers' beard hairs. (laughs) So yeast perform the critical conversion of sugar into alcohol and CO2, better known as fermentation. But they are responsible for so much more than just making your beer boozy and frothy. They also contribute a lot to the flavour. So, different yeast strains produce unique byproducts. And a good example of this are the banana flavours you might find in a wheat beer like a hefeweizen. They are caused by an ester that is produced by unique yeast strains that are used for this style. Other yeast derived flavours include rose, apple, and wet horse blanket. Now, believe it or not, this wet horse blanket is actually a sought after flavour in some farmhouse ales. But yeast can also be responsible for some less favourable flavours too, like leather and (laughs) Band-Aid. And brewers treat the yeast just right with the right temperatures and conditions to ensure that the preferred flavours are produced and you get less of these less preferable flavours. Now all of the science and the process, ingredients, chemistry, all comes down to the sensory science of tasting the beer. The way your brain perceives flavours through taste is even more influenced by your sense of smell. We often describe flavours as if they are scents. For example, a beer may have the taste of fresh wood shavings. Now I assume none of you have actually tasted fresh wood shavings, but you all can imagine exactly what they would taste like based on their scent. So I personally can't drink a beer now without thinking about science, and maybe you'll be the same too. So the next time you take a swig of your caramel-coated stone fruit with notes of fresh sawdust and a bitter leathery finish, I want you to consider the chemistry swirling around your mouth, over your taste buds, sending signals to your brain to create the profound thought of, hmm, not bad. <laughs> Thank you. You just heard from Kelsey Pickard, co-founder of Science Made Bearable. She was speaking at our Occam's Razor live show at Willie Smith's Apple Shed in Lutruweta, Tasmania. I'm Tegan Taylor, your Occam's Razor host, and I'll be raising another glass to science next week.